the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Animalist number 3030 additional. The following program is sponsored Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Stand in Christ against he who opposes Christ. Put on the armor. Put on the Lord Jesus. Live in the good of the gospel. Know what he is and what he has done for you. We resist the devil best by drawing near to God in prayer. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. No one would march onto a dangerous battlefield in slippers and a bathrobe. Yet that's what we often do in the spiritual realm. We jump out of bed, grab a cup of coffee, and head out the door without any spiritual preparation. Today on Know the Truth, our teacher, Philip DeCourcy, awakens us to the very real dangers we face. God's Word tells us there's a battle out there, and today we'll pull back the curtain to see and understand the real enemy. Let's join Philip for today's message. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're in our series, Maximum Security. Just looking at the world in general, it seems to be getting more scary by the hour. We see the pressure building on the church across the world in terms of persecution, soft and hard. What we're going to learn today is we need to get behind the physical enemy and understand the spiritual enemy. Behind the evil forces that we see, there's an evil figure that we don't see. And I want to come and find another maxim for maximum security. So far, we've learned we need to pray for inner peace and calm, Philippians 4. We need to expect suffering as Christians, 1 Peter 4. We need to believe in the goodness of God in the face of bad things, Psalm 73. We need to keep a prophetic perspective on the Middle East, Mark 13. That's what we have covered so far. Here's the fifth maxim for maximum security. Identify and engage the real enemy, Satan. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Now, if you're taking notes, number one, sober up. As we identify and engage our enemy, Satan, you need to sober up. The Christian life is warfare. You need to be sober about the fact that there is someone who seeks to destroy the work of God in you and seeks to impede the work of God through you. This phrase in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. In the Greek, it carries the idea of put on and keep it on. It's permanent. Not only sober up, square up. The soldier is not a solitary figure. He marches in columns. He fights in platoons. He belongs to regiments. And the soldier knows that divided he falls, united he stands. And you and I know this. This isn't rocket science. An army at war with itself, an army that's disunited, will never know victory over the enemy. It's interesting, when Paul uses the personal pronoun you in this passage, he's using it in the plural. 
I'm speaking about Ephesians 6 here. He's addressing the church. And so he wants them to act as an army. He wants them to act as a unit. He wants them to fight as a platoon. He wants them to march in columns. He wants them to know that they belong to the Christian regiment. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Be with God's people and live out to one another's love one another and greet one another and forgive one another and encourage one another. Sober up, square up, stand up. We've made mention of the fact that the word against is used six times here. We're up against an enemy who's implacably against us. And therefore, we must stand. You see that in verse 11? And you see it mentioned twice in verses 13 and 14. This is a call to arms. James will say in James 4 verse 7 something similar. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He'll wait for that moment when the armor's not on, when you're not watchful, when you're not standing with the believers. He opposes Christ in us. And we need to oppose him. We need to resist him when he tempts us to doubt God as he did with Job. We need to oppose him when he inflates our pride as he did with Peter. We need to oppose him when he seeks to disrupt the Lord's work as he did with Paul on his way to Thessalonica. We need to oppose him when he lies and tells us that there's a greater good outside of God's will, which he told Eve and she bought the lie. We need to oppose him when he encourages us to play the hypocrite for any length of time as he did with Ananias and Sapphira. We're to plant our feet firmly in a position of holding on to Christ, defending the gospel, doing God's work. Look, let me throw some ways. If you're pretty ignorant of the evil one, maybe you're a young Christian or it's just a subject you haven't interacted with much, let me throw a couple of basic things out with you so you can begin to form an idea of who he is and what he's like. Number one, let's just look at his titles quickly. He's called... The devil in verse 11, he's called the wicked one in verse 16. That's just two of his many titles, many names. Two of the most common are Satan and the devil. The word adversary, Satan, because that's what the word Satan means, adversary. The word devil, diabolos, is an interesting word, slanderer. The devil's a slanderer. That'll tie into something else he's called in Revelation 12, verse 10, an accuser of the brethren. He likes to dig your sins up. He likes to get your eyes off the cross and the finality of God's work and the imputed righteousness that's yours by a gift. Look, we need to look at ourselves. We need to repent of our sins. But every look itself requires two looks at Christ because we need to remind ourselves of what he's done on our behalf. We need to stand in the confidence that we find in the blood and death of Jesus Christ. But you see, Satan is an adversary, a slanderer, an accuser. He's a tempter, according to Matthew 4.3. He's a father of lies, according to John 8, verse 44. He's the ruler of the demons, Matthew 12.24. He's the evil one, Matthew 13.38. And interestingly, he's the God or ruler of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Names are important. They kind of give you a flavor of what you're dealing with. Satan, devil, tempter, accuser, father of lies, ruler of the demons, God of this world, evil one. That's why you need to put on the armor. His titles, his tactics. Well, we're told here, interestingly, in verse 11, we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. One of your translations might put it like the craftiness of the devil or the cleverness of the devil. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, we are not ignorant of his devices, his schemes, or his methodologies is maybe the better word. 
just as he's got a playbook and it's thick, we've got a playbook and it's 66 books long. And we get a profile of who he is, where he came from, what he's up to, where he's going. But what about his tactics? Well, time wouldn't allow us. I mean, he uses sex, pride, false doctrine, guilt, temptation, hypocrisy, opposition, lies, sickness, people, bitterness, questions, harshness, idle gossip, unequal unions, division, fortune-telling, and counterfeit miracles. And I have a verse for every one of those. David Jeremiah, in his book, I Never Thought I'd See the Day, says that the Bible describes Satan in terms of animals. Gives us five descriptions and uses five animals to describe Satan. And it gives us something of his nature and tactics. In Genesis 3, 1, Revelation 12, 9, he's a serpent, deceptive. He's a serpent trying to deceive God's people. In Matthew 13, 4 and verse 19, he's a bird trying to despoil God's harvest. You know the image of the birds coming, snatching away the seed? Jesus says that's the evil one. He's always trying to take the word of God away from people. He's a wolf. According to Matthew 10, 16, Jesus says, I send you white as lambs into the midst of a pack of wolves. It's not a good image. He's savage. Wants to destroy God's people. Along with that, 1 Peter 5, 8, he's a lion. He's savage again, and like a lion, he stalks, and then he pounces. He waits for that moment. He looks for that straggler on the plains of Africa, for that animal to break the pack, to get left behind, and boom, he pounces. He prowls, and he pounces. It's like the devil. And then he's a dragon trying to destroy God's son in Revelation 12. Interesting, right? Serpent, bird, wolf, lion, dragon, deceiving God's people, despoiling God's harvest, defeating and devouring God's children, and destroying God's son. One further thought here, his time. Did you notice verse 13? We're to take up the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. This is a reference, I think, to the fact that we're living between the fall and the restoration of all things at the end of the age. We now live amidst the ruins of a once glorious kingdom, and this kingdom is now being overrun by the enemy. The world is under the sway of the evil one, and it's going to be fixed when Jesus comes. But until then, what is it? It's the evil day. Galatians 1 verse 4, Paul says that Christ has redeemed us from this present evil age. That's the kind of day we're living in. Don't be looking for a golden age of Christianity within history. This world lies in the sway of the evil one. It's not going to get good until Jesus comes. Every day is an evil day. In fact, in Luke 22, verse 53, when they came to arrest him, Jesus said something very interesting as they laid hands on him. This is your time. This is darkness's time. This is the evil day, he's basically saying. This is where you get to handle me like this. You get to crucify me. You get to mock me. This is your time. This is the evil day. But folks, there's coming a day when he'll come in power and glory. And we'll enjoy the restoration of all things. And the former things will pass away and all things will become new. But until then, you better realize this is the evil time. And that's why you need to put on your armor. That's why you need to be watchful to this end. That's why you need to sober up and square up and stand up. Fourthly, we need to suit up. Battlefields require battle dress. What an oddity to find a soldier in his dressing gown on the battlefield. No, you'll find him with his fatigues and his helmet and his body armor and his weapons. 
And so Paul takes that idea. He identifies the fact that this is a battlefield. This is an evil day. A red before us is the enemies of our soul and Jesus Christ and the church. And they're implacably against us. He uses the word against six times. They have it in for us. Just look at them. Look at the evil in their eye. It's their time. And it's time that we put on the whole armor of God, verse 11. It's time that we took up the whole armor of God, verse 13. And as I said, put on carries the idea of permanence. There's no sounding retreat in the Christian life. Now, what does this mean, put on the whole armor of God? There's six pieces of armor. Again, we could go off on that for quite a while. But let me cut to the chase, and I'll let Dr. Jim Ross, who taught in the Bible exposition classes at the Master's Seminary, help us here. In a very good article in the journal of that seminary in the spring of 1995, Jim Ross helped me see and helped us see that the armor in many ways is Christ. When we're told here to put on the whole armor of God, we're actually being told to do what Paul says elsewhere, put on the Lord Jesus. You can look at that in Romans 13, 11 to 14. Put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. Another one of our enemies, the flesh, the world, and the devil. What's the answer? Put on Jesus. What's the answer? Put on the whole armor of God. But look at how the armor describes Jesus. Paul talks about the belt of truth. Isn't Jesus the truth? He's the way, the truth, and the life. Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians, Jesus has been made unto us righteousness. He's our righteousness. He's our source of truth. We're told here about the gospel of peace. In his letter to the Colossians and in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul talks about Christ is our peace, who made peace through the blood of his cross. Paul goes on to talk about the shield of faith. Jesus is the faithful one, according to the book of Revelation. He's the object of our faith. He's the author and finisher of our faith, according to Hebrews 12. The helmet of salvation, Jesus is the captain of our salvation. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Revelation 19, this is the Word of God who will smite the nations with words right out of His mouth. I think that's helpful. I think that's worth thinking about. Put on the whole armor of God. Paul, are you saying put on Jesus? Yes. What he's saying is live in the good of the gospel. Understand what you have become through what Jesus has done. And then stand in the good of that. Stand in the reality of that. Don't let Satan rob you of that fact. Look, for you to come to faith in Christ, someone needs to preach the gospel to you. But for you to grow in faith in Christ, you need to preach the gospel to yourself. You need to keep reminding yourself what Jesus has done. According to Ephesians chapter 1 to 3, you know what he's done? He's broke down the middle wall of partition between us. He's reconciled us to God. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is not working us. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We've been raised with him. We're united to him. His victory is our victory. So stand in Christ against he who opposes Christ. Put on the armor. Put on the Lord Jesus. Live in the good of the gospel. Know what he is and what he has done for you. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Final thought. Speak up. Verse 18. When it comes to spiritual warfare, prayer is the battle. 
This is the major weapon of choice for spiritual warriors. We resist the devil best by drawing near to God in prayer. Don't we read about that in James 4, verse 78? What does he say? Draw near to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee. Did you notice the order? Draw near to God. Then resist the devil. And as I was taught as a young Christian in Belfast, Northern Ireland, the devil flees when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. That's how good a weapon prayer is. In fact, I agree with Jim Ross Cup. He makes an argument. There's six pieces of armor. Prayer is not so much another piece of the armor. It's what we do as we put on the armor. It's everything. That's why you've got these all-inclusive alls. When you get to verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is the synergizing and saturating element of putting on the armor of God. You need to put it on with prayer, all prayer at all the time for all the saints. I would think that Paul is suggesting to us, more than suggesting, that prayer is not the one thing we do among many things in spiritual warfare, it is the main thing we do to secure victory in spiritual warfare. We can do more once we have prayed, but we cannot do more until we have prayed. You know what? Read Daniel 6 sometime later today. I was reading it, and it struck me that when Daniel goes to the lion's den, he goes there because he refuses to stop praying to God, and he refuses to bow at the feet of a Babylonian idol. And that means that Daniel would rather die than not pray. Daniel would rather die than not pray. Folks, I'm not close to that. Neither are you. But you see, Daniel gets it. There he is behind enemy lines. He's in the house of Nebuchadnezzar in Belteshazzar, surrounded by the enemy. He realizes, I'd rather die than not pray because if I don't pray, I'm dead anyway because I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You've heard of Brother Andrews, right? Getting the Bibles behind communist lines and in tough places in the world. And in his book on Islam, Erwin Lutzer tells the story of Brother Andrews slodging through muddy paths in Lebanon with a man who was reported to be second in command of Hamas. He was an imam, a spiritual leader within the Islamic community there, And Brother Andrew asked the imam one day, do you have your prayers every day, five times a day? The imam says, yes. And then Brother Andrew says, well, I don't see any mosques. We've been walking around here for quite some time. I don't see any mosques. The imam stroked his beard and he said, every tent is a mosque. And Brother Andrew thought to himself, As he thought about the Christian church, he thought about a passage like we have just read. As he thought about the strategic place and power of prayer, he said to himself, I wonder how the church would be doing if every home was in prayer. Every tent is a mosque. Is every home a church? Is every home a prayer house? Let's pray. Lord, some of us need to be awakened to the danger we're in. We're oblivious to where we are and who we face and the danger that besets us. Help us, Lord, to sober up. Help us to square up. Help us to stand up. Help us to suit up. Help us to speak up. Help us to realize 
that we are soldiers of the cross and that we face multiple enemies and behind what we see stands someone we don't see but who's no less real that old serpent the devil who's like a lion going around seeking whom he may devour Lord the casualty list is getting longer by the day because of soft-headed Christianity Lord help us to toughen up help us to embrace the struggle help us to get into this fight for the cause of Jesus Christ and help us to put him on, preach the gospel to ourselves, realize the victory that is ours in his victory through his blood. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Philip DeCourcy praying for us as we face the battlefield today. You're listening to Know the Truth and a message from our Maximum Security series. And Philip reminds us that we need to stand firm in Christ and with other believers. Purchase the complete study in one CD album when you visit our website at ktt.org. Now, we've asked Philip back with us today because you might have heard it's Giving Tuesday. And Philip, you're here to share a little about this Global Giving Day. You know, Wayne, I've, I, I know about that. And actually, I want to salute that. I think that's a, that's a great idea. I think it was a reaction, wasn't it, to Black Friday and, and, and the danger of, of us becoming a consumer culture, just consumed by our own pleasures and, and taking care of ourselves. And so, hey... Uh, I want to give a shout out to those who came up with this idea of Giving Tuesday. I mean, Jesus reminds us it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, Jesus also taught us to do unto others as as we would want them to do unto us. And and certainly uh, that's a great thing to, you know, reach out your hand to help a neighbor or, or those who are in need. So I think that's a great thing. And, and I commend that. Although it does make me Think and it's something I'd also like to just pitch to our listeners uh, in terms of a of a Giving Tuesday idea. Uh, you know, giving uh, to help alleviate suffering in this world is a great thing, and to help people get to a better place in life. But as a as a minister of the gospel, I would remind myself and certainly the church, especially within the culture, that the greatest gift than any man can ever have is the gift of eternal life. And that comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what this ministry is all about, proclaiming the free gift of God's grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus would warn us um, that, you know, you can gain the world and, and lose your soul. And so, you know, we want to give and we want to help people physically and materially. But boy, we're doing them a disservice if we don't help them spiritually. And that's what this ministry is about. And so I just challenge our listeners, as you think about giving, and I'm encouraging you to give to other good causes, but don't overlook, don't turn a blind eye to a ministry like this, which I believe offers the greatest gift. And so I'd encourage you to think about uh, investing and know the truth. You can do that as a one-time gift, or better still, you can invest on a monthly basis and a regular basis with us. We have a program called uh, Truth Ambassadors, where you give to us on a regular basis, starting at $25 a month or more. That allows us to plan with confidence. It allows us to get a sense of where we're going and what we can do. Uh, because uh, these days are short and we want to redeem the time and we want to offer the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ and we want to proclaim him and we want to present him. So would you come alongside today and help us do that? Contact us at knowthetruth at ktt.org. Thanks, Philip. And yes, you can make a generous one-time donation today or sign up to become one of our monthly Truth Ambassadors. Call us at 888-644-8811 or make that donation online at ktt.org. 
And when you give, we've got something special coming your way. It's Philip's newest book titled Take Cover. Philip wrote Take Cover based on our current Maximum Security series and is chocked full of biblical guidelines for finding peace and protection in Jesus Christ. Be one of the first to receive this book when you give to Know the Truth today. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. Now, if you're new to Know the Truth, we'd also like to send you an entirely free resource. It's a bookmark that summarizes some of the key points from Philip's new book, Take Cover. Ask for the Take Cover bookmark when you call 888-644-8811. That's our time for today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to come back tomorrow when our Maximum Security Series continues. That's Wednesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In his play, As You Like It, Shakespeare described death as mere oblivion, without eyes, and without everything. Hi, this is Lon Solomon, and is this what death really is, mere oblivion? Well, the Bible says no. The Bible says after we die, we remain conscious and awake and completely self-aware for all of eternity, but in one of two locations— We're either awake and aware in heaven, or we're awake and aware in hell. And what determines our eternal location? Well, pure and simple, it's whether we embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior while we were here on earth. Not a sermon, just a thought. For more information on Not a Sermon, Just a Thought, you can check out our website at notasermon.com. That's notasermon.com. WAVA Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.